once again to Fangraphs Audio. I am Fangraphs contributor and occasional destroyer Carson Sestouli. Today on Fangraphs we offer not so much a round table as a triangle table on account of there are only three of us. We have Mr. Dave Cameron whose voice will be familiar to you and we also offer you Mr. Dave Allen who will you know from his extensive use of the heat map at the website. Today we look at an article that Dave Hallen has recently contributed to Hot Stove U, a series that ESPN Insider has been running to help the general public become familiar with some advanced concepts in baseball analysis. We also look at a couple of articles, uh, one written by Dave Cameron, one written by Dave Allen, looking at pitcher splits for a couple of categories we wouldn't necessarily expect, namely batting average for ball and play, and additionally home run per fly ball rate. Finally, around the 21-minute mark or so, we get an appearance by Mrs. Dave Cameron. That's the sort of quality we offer here at Fangraphs Audio. You can look forward to that and more in the next 20 or so minutes. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Fangraphs Audio. Once again, I am Carson Sestouli. My guest today... Uh, I'd call it an audio roundtable, except there are only three of us, so it, it's more of a triangle table. We have a uh, longtime guest, longtime listener, contributor to Fangraphs, Fangraphs editor, USS Mariner editor, Wall Street Journal contributor, Dave Cameron. Hello, sir. Hi. How you doing, Carson? Hi, Dave Cameron. And uh, today I'm allowed to call you Dave Cameron, or I'm allowed to call you Mr. Cameron or Cameron, because our other guest is baseball analyst contributor, Fangraphs contributor, he didn't invent the heat map, but he made it friggin' awesome. His name is Dave Allen. Thanks, Carson. Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's great It's great to have you, Dave Allen. And so today you will be Allen, Dave Cameron, you will be Cameron. Is that all right? That works. Okay. Yep. Let's uh, talk about, first, uh, Allen's contrib- uh, contribution to Hot Stove University, which is going on over at ESPN right now. I believe that just went live today. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Alan, you wrote a pretty interesting article about pitcher pitcher stress uh, using uh, leverage index, which you can find here at Fangraphs Audio. Pretty cool article. You use a uh, a start by by Roy Holiday from June second of last season, sort of as the entree into the discussion. Uh, looking um, at a start he had, he goes out. Cito Gaston sends him out, even though he's already 116 pitches into the game. Maybe if you would uh, just recap that article for us why maybe you used Roy Halladay's start as the entree, and then what you learned from it, what you think the readers can learn from it. So the question is whether these high-leverage pitches in situations where uh, runners are on base or the game is close are more taxing on a pitcher because he dials it up. Um, and, and so I chose Roy Halladay because I, he's sort of a guy who you think of as being able to coast through games um, relatively easily, not getting a lot of base runners, um, and then because of that, he can he goes deep into games. Maybe he has a higher pitch count, but he hasn't put the strain on his arm that a guy like who um, has been laboring through. And that's that's why I chose that start, and why or that's why I looked at Roy Halladay. Yeah, now you you sort of discuss how he because he has that great sinker. That's a pitch that he can use uh, to good effect. Um, especially if his if his team is up or something like this, and um, 
I don't want to get into the exact numbers because I don't think I think I would make a fool of myself if I did. But the basic story is, early on in the game, the Blue Jays were up. Later in the game, it gets closer, and Halliday switches from the sinker balls that he's been using to more of his breaking pitches. Is that something that's gonna that's true maybe only of Holiday uh, or Halliday, sorry, or is that something that you've seen through through other pitchers as well? Yeah, so he starts off the game heavy on the cutter and the sinker, which which get a lot of contact, um, and then switches to a curveball, which induces tons of lifts, and he gets all those strikeouts. I didn't see that generally. There wasn't a big shift in the percentage of fastballs um, when we looked at all pitchers from comparing their high leverage to low leverage. We just saw that jump in the percent or in the speed of the average fastball, not as much in in the percentage of fastball. So I think that's something that's going to change pitcher to pitcher, but then when you look, when you average it all over all pitchers, you don't see a, a consistent trend. Uh, Cameron, I'm wondering, to what degree are we able to use this sort of data maybe to discuss how pitchers are best deployed or how we could maybe uh, protect pitchers from injury? If there, I mean, obviously that would be a pretty involved study, but you know, baseball prospectus looks at pitcher abuse points and stress how can this sort of information help us, if at all? Yeah, you know, I think this is actually uh, part of a hopefully new wave of study where we start to, like, get into – we get away from the 100-pitch count uh, idea. I mean, which is really 100 pitch counts, 100 pitches in a game is very arbitrary. Uh, it's really just picked because it's uh, a round number, and humans like round numbers. There's no real evidence that says 100 pitches is when uh, guys start to get tired. It just kind of works because um, – uh, it just kind of works. But uh, I think there's a lot more that we can study and say, okay, let's break down how a pitcher actually throws over time. And, you know, if the first, like the Halliday example is a great one. Of the first six innings, he was cruising. He threw 75 low leverage pitches. Uh, maybe that's only equivalent to 40 or 50 normal uh, leverage or high leverage pitches. At that point, we could have like almost an adjusted pitch count for him where we'd say, you know what, even though he's at 75 pitches, let's let him go a little longer. We wouldn't look at his 133 pitches from the end of that game and be like, wow, Cito Gaston really abused him. Uh, we could say, you know what, that might be the equal of 105, 110 pitches, which no one would get up in arms about. So I think this is a, an important area to study going forward. I think we'll probably do some cool stuff looking at the amount of high leverage pitches and maybe even looking at, uh, you know, with the velocity, when a pitcher should be relieved for a reliever. I mean, we know relief pitchers throw harder in general than starting pitchers do. Part of that is because they're not pacing themselves over long periods of time. So if a starter can ramp up in a high leverage situation, maybe we don't look at their average velocity, but we have to add a little bit to it and say, okay, maybe it doesn't make as much sense to go get your fifth or sixth reliever out of the pen if we know the starting pitcher can throw a little harder, do a little max effort, and kind of finish strong to get out of the situation. Dave Allen, uh, looking at this, uh, there's like a top ten list, I guess, here of uh, pitch count leaders and the high leverage leaders. Are there any guys on this list? Uh, it goes Verlander, Billingsley, King Felix, uh, Jimenez, Wainwright, Vasquez, Zambrano, Garland, Zito, Garza. Are there guys on this list that we should worry about, do you think, coming into 2010 because they have been overtaxed? Or is that assuming too much based on the data? I, I think it probably is assuming too much. I mean, um, there's just any number of things that mechanics and um, – the guy's history of injury, and I, I think that just this one number, we can't say, oh, for sure, you know, we've got a Verlander's definitely going to go down, or he's, I think you've got to put it in the bigger picture of the guy's injury history and his mechanics and all that. But, but I think it's a, it provides a better 
extra than just looking at his raw number of pitches. Um, so I, and I think as Dave said, um, or as Cameron said, I think that this is really a new uh, area that that's going to be the an exciting new area of study with the pitch by pitch data that's available through PitchFX, and then just recently um, the DL um, database was released publicly, going back from 2002. So I think. Once you've got these two things, the history of everyone's injuries going back from 2000 to 2002, and then a pitch by pitch of velocity and how many pitches on each day, you can begin to look at some of these questions about what what makes what puts stretch up, stress on a pitcher, a high leverage, or pitching a lot in one inning and then um, rather than maybe spacing them out over a couple of innings and how 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 all that works. Well, let me ask you anecdotally. Um and of course, it's probably more than anecdotally because you think about these matters a lot. Who's someone, or you know, one, two, three pitchers that you might expect to be candidates at least for breaking down? Because I think that's something that you know baseball fans are concerned about. So if I asked you to speculate wildly, who would you throw out? Yeah, I, I would go with the number two guy on that list, Chad Billingsley, who is low, much lower on the list of um, total pitches, 33rd on the list of total pitches, but second on the list of high-stress high, high stress, uh, pitches. And so he had the highest percentage of high-stress pitches of any starter. Um, we use high-stress here as anything with a leverage index of over one and a half. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, let me ask you, so how did you decide on that number exactly? <laughs> that was a number that um, uh, Cameron Feldman and I came to together uh, as sort of it's, yeah. No, it's okay if it's. I mean, if if you're just yep. pulling it out of a hat, that's fine. I mean, because yep. you have to you have to say some number, right? So if that's you have to, you have, yeah, you have to put some cutoff, and yeah, it was relatively arbitrary. I'm not sure. Cameron, why'd you make Dave Allen do this? Something. Defend, defend <laughs> yourself. <laughs> You know, uh, I think um, baseball references uh, got splits on their site, and they use uh, 1.5 as high leverage, and that's just generally become the assumed when people say high leverage, just because baseball references have this now for like I don't know a year or two. Um, that's just kind of what people have inferred. So we didn't want to break from the uh, traditional uh, assumed number. And really, I think you look at like closer leverage on a season is usually about 1.8. Um, so I think we want to classify it. Uh, slightly less than what a closer normally sees. So 1.5 is actually about right. We didn't just pull it out of a hat. There's some actual reason for 1.5. Okay, and let me ask you to speculate wildly, too. Uh, if there's a pitcher that you sort of foresee coming into this next season having having problems, uh, Alan says Billingsley might be might be a candidate. Who do you, who do you see? Well, I, I'd like to throw out the name uh, Jair Jurgens, mainly because his shoulder hurts right now, and that will make me wait a second, look very wait a smart. So. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to just throw that name out there because it's fun to say? Uh, well, it's fun to say and impossible to spell, by the way, which, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of his last name spelling. But, yeah, you know, uh, so I can cheat a little bit and throw his name out there just because his shoulder's already hurting. Um, but I think uh, maybe the guys in Kansas City, too, not Ranky necessarily, but uh, Gil Mesh, um, Luke Hoshaver, uh, even Brian Bannister, I know, had some arm problems toward the end of last year. Uh, they worked those guys fairly hard, and they're not the most careful organization. And, you know, let's be honest, we like to make fun of the Royals, so... Um, I'm, I'm going to say any non-Granky Royal would be a candidate for breakdown this year. Does does that reflect Trey Hillman? I, I, I assume it does, right? Trey Hillman's usage patterns? Uh, I would say it just reflects, um, in general, the type of pitcher that the Royals like. So they're big fans of guys who throw hard and throw big curveballs and... Uh, 
you know, we can't necessarily prove this, but generally uh, it's been assumed that the guys who throw a lot of breaking balls break down more. And, um, you know, I think uh, Gilmesh has thrown a lot of curveballs over his career and already had several shoulder surgeries, and uh, Bannister has a history of arm problems. And so these aren't, like, the healthiest guys to begin with. So I'm not going to blame Trey Hillman. Maybe it's just a selection bias where the Royals go after pitchers who are predisposed to break down. And, Dave Allen, you, you selected Chad Billingsley. Do you think that maybe that has something to do with Joe Torre? Yeah, I mean, Joe Torre has, well, yeah, I'm not sure. I, the high stress index is gonna definitely pick out guys who, who walk more, because they're gonna, who, they're gonna have more at bats against, with, with guys on base, so, as soon as you get that, then, if they have to dial it up for those, uh, high leverage index, high leverage innings, your guys who walk a lot are gonna get more of those, and then if you compare that with like a Chris Lee, Lee or Zach Greinke, you don't walk as many guys. That's why they go down the list and have many fewer uh, high leverage inning or high leverage pitches compared to to their high, to the high to their total pitch count, which is relatively high. Well, okay, so let's let's stay with the Dodgers a little bit, and we'll shift gears um, unless you guys uh, would like to protest violently. Well, uh, let me throw out one one quick thing before we shift gears uh, for the people who. Ha- haven't uh, have no idea what we're talking about. Maybe they don't have an ESPN Insider subscription and they didn't read this piece that we've been talking about. Uh, you know, we mentioned that we're going to be releasing the Fangraphs uh, second opinion next week. If you purchase the second opinion, uh, prepare for the shill. By the way, if you purchase the second opinion, you will get access to uh, every ESPN Insider piece we've done. Which I think over the last two months we've written approximately ten pieces of. Uh, what I would consider to be pretty good quality um, that haven't been published on the site, but you'll get access to all those as well as everything we write for Insider going forward for the next year. So for eight bucks, you get a book, you get uh, ten already written articles, and the promise of future articles. Uh, this is a bargain by now. That is a fantastic deal, Dave Cameron. I, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad that you've mentioned that, and I, I'm shocked to hear that you mentioned that too. It came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all right, so now let's shift gears uh, and maybe pick on Joe Torre a little bit. I'm not sure. Dave Allen, you, you wrote this week uh, an article about Vincente Padilla, and that might be Vincente Padilla or Vincente Padilla. How do you pronounce it, Dave Allen? Vincente, but I, I don't know. Okay, well, let's say Vincente right now. You were highlighting in this uh, some some platoon splits, and, of course, uh, you well, you've taken – You've taken splits week to uh, – I think you're making it splits month now because you've also included okay. Tim Wakefield in your little sorted game. Uh, and that's a post that appeared yesterday, I guess, which Thursday uh, in pod time. You look at Vincente Padilla. Uh, I'm going to let you sum up sum it up a little bit. Vincente Padilla has strange platoon splits. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I was going off of um, an article that Cameron wrote. So we know that platoon splits – you see them in the sort of fielding independent indices like number or walk rate, that uh, uh, walk uh, walk rate, strikeout rate, ground ball rate, and then Dave was looking at um, whether you also see them in terms of batting average of ball in play and home runs per fly ball, things you don't think that pitchers have much control over. And um, the result was that you see very very slight platoon splits for those two. Uh, for those two metrics, uh, much, much smaller than for strikeout rate or walk rate. So then when we look at Vincente Padilla, he has the, the, the normal um, or a, a very large platoon splits for things like walk rate and ground ball rate and batted ball rate, but then also a very big platoon split for batting average of balls in play. And the question was, if that 
batted average ball in play split is is a true um, is something we're really gonna we're gonna see going forward. Is he gonna re- regress back to having both a much smaller split like most pitchers do? Um, and I, I, I in the article it looked to me like it has to do with this four seam fastball that he throws very often um, to left handed batters and. Um, usually when, when pitchers throw that inside, um, they get a relatively low batting average on ball and play, but uh, for Padilla's four-seam fastball, it, it, it was relatively high in there. So, and that seemed to me to be the, the issue, and whether that what that's going to look like going forward, I'm, I'm not sure. But, you, but you, you're, you suspect that it might be a true – man, you can't really call it a skill, can you? It's sort of a lack of a yeah. skill. Lack of a skill, yeah. yeah. Dave Cameron, I I feel like I remember last year during the playoffs there was a game that Joe Torre deployed. He, he started Vincente Padilla against a really lefty-heavy lineup. I'm guessing it's the Phillies in my head. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you, you might have even written about that game. Do you, do you I remember did, yeah. that game? Yeah, yeah. So like I torched Joe Torre for choosing Padilla to start a game against the lefty-heavy Phillies because of Padilla's massive splits. And then uh, Padilla proceeded to shut down the Phillies and pitch extremely well and make me look like a total idiot. He then, uh, you know, I, I think it was one of those things where anything can happen in any given game. And, you know, um, yeah, right. actually a fair... Dave Cameron's always wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right. That, that was really the lesson here, I think, uh if we can learn anything, it's the fact that I'm wrong whenever I predict anything. But, uh, yeah, you know, Padilla is one of these really strange pitchers in that, like, I think a lot of what we know about batted average, batting average and balls in play works under a strict set of assumptions that, like, certain pitchers are chosen and selected to be starting pitchers and certain pitchers are selected to be relievers, and they're, the batters that they face are based upon their skill sets. Padilla really probably should be a relief pitcher based on his skills I think every other pitcher of his type is a, a right-handed setup guy. Like, there's, it's very strange that Padilla is a starting pitcher. So when we look at his batting average on balls in play, he's kind of an interesting case in that he's not like most starting pitchers who have uh, weapons that can get both righties and lefties out. He's really got nothing against lefties. He just kind of goes up there and chucks it and hopes they don't kill him and waits for some right-handers to come up. So I... I think that a guy like Padilla is an interesting case to look at and say, do the rules that apply to most starting pitchers on BABIP apply to Padilla when he's not really the typical starting pitcher with his repertoire? Now, Dave Allen got this idea uh, looking at an article that you'd written a little bit before. You used Jared Weaver as the entree to that particular article. You also looked at some other guys. Can you tell us a little bit about your findings from that article? Yeah, so like the, the thing that made me curious is whether... Uh, if we could find a, a big batted ball split um, for certain types of pitchers. Guys like Jared Weaver and Orlando Hernandez, uh, we know things about the way they pitch, and Padilla's like this as well, where they change their arm angles, they drop down, they throw from a low three-quarter slot. Sometimes they'll drop down and do sidearms. And we know that pitchers of that type generally post larger platoon splits. Sidearmers post massive platoon splits. And so my thought was to look up guys like Weaver, like Orlando Hernandez, like Padilla, like Brian Fuentes, who we know have the certain style of pitching. Where I, haven't, I didn't really know anything about their platoon splits on these things going in. I had selected them based on the type of pitchers they were from watching them pitch. And I found that in general, um, most of them actually had pretty significant batted ball splits. I think like Weaver and Padilla 
had much lower batting average on balls in play against right-handers than they did against left-handers. Uh, I think Brian Fuentes was actually exactly the opposite, which was kind of hilarious, where his batting average on balls in play against lefties was significantly higher, even though Fuentes is just death to left-handers in general, um, which I found interesting. And it's something that just needs more study. I mean, I think I picked, looked at five pitchers. Uh, that's not nearly enough to draw any kind of conclusion, but this is something that I think we definitely need to look at because if we can find that a pitcher has a significant batted ball platoon split, uh, then we can potentially do some things with predicting pitchers based on their usage patterns, whether they're a starter or a reliever. Now, Dave Allen, I know that you're pretty excited about this sort of train of thought anyway. You wrote about Tim Wakefield today. People can read that article. Or, sorry, you wrote about him yesterday. Who else are you excited about maybe uh, following up on this, this particular train of thought? Um... Or maybe you're not excited about it at all. You're done. <laughs> and that's, that's fine, too. <laughs> no, I am excited about it. And I, I'm, I'm excited to sort of go forward and, and instead of, or I hope to, instead of uh, looking at individual pitches, pitchers, which I think is interesting and uh, the, the best way to start, to begin to sort of hopefully develop a, a, a bigger theory that looks generally at. Um, can you make wait, wait, can I stop? Is everyone okay? Is that you, Dave Cameron? You walking around? Yeah, my wife actually just got home, so uh, oh, she's well, say, knocking on the door. Say hi to the. So we'll have to like edit this part out. Oh, or maybe we, maybe not. Maybe we'll just introduce everybody. <laughs> oh, my wife will join the podcast and give her thought on uh, batted ball platoon. <laughs> okay, um, that's fine. Continue, Dave Allen. You're excited about this? Yeah. Event. So I'm excited. I just as just as um, Cameron said, starting with five pitchers is is, is an interesting way to begin to, to look at this and see, oh, you know, we see a much bigger uh, batting average ball in place split on these five pitchers than we do on pitchers as a whole. And then going forward from there, making more generalizations based on can we say something about um, arm angle versus batting average ball in place platoon splits um, and make some generalizations beyond just looking at uh, these sort of exemplar pitchers. Okay. Well, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like fun stuff. Um, <laughs> um, uh, actually, I, um, I, you know, those are the questions I had for you guys today. Uh, unless it was a very I, eloquent ending there, Carson. <laughs> uh, well, it's fun, it is fun stuff. It's it's a it's a joy. Uh, well, thanks for joining me today, guys, on the uh, FanGraphs Audio, and and Dave Cameron, if you would thank the misses there too, uh, for yeah, making absolutely. a, a I, brief I, appearance. <laughs> I'll uh, see if she wants to join in next week. Yes, that'd be great. Uh, so for Dave Cameron, for Dave Allen, I am Carson Testuli. This has been our triangle table discussion, uh, looking at uh, some stuff with regard to pitchers, in particular um, how leverage index might affect stress and how might uh, be a sort of beacon into a f- future discoveries about pitcher stress. And it, additionally, uh, looking at some uh, guys with strange arm angles and how that might affect their bobbip and home run per fly ball splits. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Dave Cameron. Uh, thank you, Carson. Thank you, Dave Allen. Thanks. All right, thank you. That has been FanGraphs Audio. Uh, please continue to listen. Goodbye. That concludes another white, hot episode of FanGraphs Audio. Please join us here today, tomorrow, the next day after that, Fangraphs Audio is coming at you all week. Also, do not forget that this week represents the week that Fangraphs makes its debut in the publishing world. We offer you Fangraphs 2010 Second Opinion, 
It'll be available sometime later this week, so I'm told. That will be available for a reasonable price of $7.95. Available here at the website. Don't miss that. Thank you for joining us once again on Fangraphs Audio. Please do listen early and often. Thank you very much. Thank you.